mention it. Yeah. podcast with kevin and dane i'm dane and i'm kevin opening segment (laughs) fire opening segment let's go uh lil wayne dropped an album didn't listen to it shit was trash i've never been a big lil wayne guy i got i think i got like no it actually wasn't trash I, i take that back i was just talking shit but go ahead um Little Wayne's heyday was like right when I was in high school. We're roughly the same age. So it was like what? Around like 10th, 11th grade. And so growing up in a predominantly white suburb, Mm -hmm. every that that shit was just ubiquitous. And he was just, that was like the Carter III era. And it was just. Everybody just loved that shit and worshipped it. And I think I just got turned off to it. Yeah. Not, not not because at the time I was consciously like, oh, this is no, yeah, this yeah. is some problematic shit, but just because I was like, eh. Because everybody, the, the fact that it appealed to everybody like that. It appealed to everyone and it just didn't really have much to do with what I was, my energy at that time. Yeah, I feel you. Like. I feel you. Yeah. Man, I, I have the. The opposite. You were heavy into Lil Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Mixtape, mixtape Wheezy. Yeah, like all the like Gangsta Grills, Drought, shit like that. Um, that was like the brief period of time that I was like partying heavy Mm. and shit. Like high school, fresh out of high school, like drinking. Smoking, out, reckless, right? Like, right, yeah. yeah. So that was like a a soundtrack, <laughs> right? There's that. certain music that you have to understand in, like, it has to match up with your lifestyle. Right, right. There has to be a kind of like right synchronization like going on. Today, I couldn't fuck with it. No, couldn't fuck with it. But like back then, eight, like seventeen, eighteen. 19, yeah, that that kind that, of that wild, reckless yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I, yeah. It's not like I think Little Wayne's that like bad, really bad or anything. But like, I just never got on the train, and so now I'm able to just sort of observe it at a distance. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Okay. It, is he one? Is he one of the the best? I always kind of get a little scandalized whenever he's brought up as like one of the best to ever do it. Mm. I always feel that that's kind of a ridiculous point. Hmm. I mean, I guess, like, it just depends on what your criteria is, like, what you're sort of judging them on. Because, like, as far as, like, albums and shit like that, like, just timeless music, I would say no. 
But if we were just talking about just sheer ability, then he's a fucking of course. It's just sheer ability. Wayne is a is a hmm. monster. Okay. But <clears throat> but if we're talking about like you know really putting together like projects and shit like that, mm. a lot of his shit just really sounds like compilations of like whatever was the best song or whatever at that time. Yeah. He sort of put it together, but. But yeah, but just in in terms of ability, though, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't listen to the new album. Yeah, me. Either. I mean, I like skimmed through it, and I yeah. like heard some shit. I was like, eh, that's not bad. Eh, it's not bad. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't anything that I was gonna like go back and yeah fuck with. Like yeah, that. I haven't. I don't really. Don't really have any new music out mm, there. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We, well, I live in New York. You live in Connecticut right now. I do. Um, that's kind of that's kind of weak. <laughs> <laughs> um, where I'm, so, oh, I'm so curious as to where this is going. <laughs> Michael Doomberg. Oh, yeah. The Michael Bloomberg shit is interesting. He's surging. He's surging, but all of the like, all of the videos and, and clips and audio clips and shit like that that's coming out of like him, you know, sort of grounding his central philosophy in how he views the world in, you know, black men being inherently criminal, you know, uh, brown men being inherent criminals like the shit is the shit is wild and then the fact that like i keep seeing like different bloomberg uh little campaign hubs around the city and it's like he's literally paying people like thousands of dollars a month yeah to like he has zero support like real support here's here's my question why why do you think okay michael bloomberg was mayor mayor of new york for as long as you could be mayor three like three three terms yeah he's a od billionaire he's not just like Oh no, he's Trumpy, like, six, like no, he's skirting like skirting around. He no, he's sick. Yeah, he's, sixty he's billion really dollars in. Yeah. Why does he? What? What's his motivation here for running for president? Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, well, I hate to sound like a Bernie bro. Sound like it, but we all know who the front runner is. Is Bernie? Okay. Bernie's running on a platform that's like part of that platform is a hiked up wealth tax. Yeah. Everybody who isn't a part of the one percent point one, you know, point zero zero one percent like cats are fucking with the wealth tax, essentially, right? It's just like why does you know this person get to have sixty billion dollars or whatever where I'm living paycheck to uh, paycheck. So, <clears throat> Bloomberg's whole point of running is Joe Biden wasn't viable. Mm-hmm. Pete Buttigieg isn't viable. 
Elizabeth Warren also wants a wealth tax, so she isn't viable. Right. No one knows who Amy Klobuchar is. Right. So who's going to stop Bernie? So you think he's like taking it upon himself? No, to- that's literally what that's they've they've thrown in. Do you know who Deval Patrick is? Deval Patrick was was in the race for yeah. a while. He was he a senator from Massachusetts? The governor. Governor. Yeah. Governor. Um, but then was also like hedge fund CEO. Okay. Exec. Um, who else did they throw? It, it was a couple other like centrist, you know, people who weren't really running on this wealth tax. It's just like let's let's see who's viable. Right. Who can who we can throw in there or whatever. And no one's worked. And so Bloomberg is like, okay, I have to do it now. Otherwise, like he's he's running on the same shit that Biden was running on is just electability. Okay, I can but, beat Trump. Yeah, okay, fair, okay, but then why why not just not run and and hope for another four years of Trump? I think there he's also like on this. Oh, the red. You know the. The billionaire class, I think, is also like when it comes to Trump and the tone Trump sets for American diplomacy in general. I don't think people really like Trump's tone in that sense. So you have a lot of people who are billionaires but are a part of the Democratic Party or just shifted to being Democrats this past term or whatever, who are like essentially trying to get Trump out of there. Not to change anything structurally, but just change the figurehead that's in place that, you know, that's why Joe Biden, it was just sort of like, oh, let's let's get back to civility and and all of this type of shit like that or whatever. Like that, that's really it's they're running on cosmetic change as opposed to anything real. So it's like, who can we best put in there? Yeah, that'll maintain what we need, plus give us a better, you know, face on the global stage. Mm. That's what I, I mean, that's yeah. what I would think. I just like, fuck. Yeah. Being president. <clears throat> Not fucking Bloomberg, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm slowly disengaging. They're, until... they're like, they're like, really trying to put Bloomberg, Bloomberg is just a, a lighter Trump. You think? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Trump light. That's all blue. Have you heard like the other shit that that he's said to people? Mm -mm. He said like um, some woman who who worked for him. She said she was pregnant. Right. His response. Kill it. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wow. But I mean, okay, here, here's me just playing devil's, ad, devil's advocate with all this shit. Okay, so when you sent me, I, I, I mean, I guess, let, let's fucking go down this rabbit hole. When you sent me the, the shit that sparked the Bloomberg is racist hashtag that mm-hmm. was trending, right? I saw both, I, I watched both of the clips and you gave me the context for one of them. One of them was just him basically describing what redlining is. And I didn't see the full question, so I, but then you... You contextualized it for me and explained to me that he was basically in favor of redlining. Right. Or at the very least, like he was in favor of redlining insofar as it was a it was a 
an effective business practice. Right, or the or the the dissolution of redlining was a net negative yeah, according to the yeah, world right. view of, of Bloomberg, right? right? Okay. And then there was the 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 stop and frisk mm-hmm. commentary which was much more blatant. Right. At least to 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 my ears. Fuck, where was I going with this? Oh, be. yes. Okay. So okay. So the the tweet, one of those two tweets, I don't know which one had the embedded video, mm-hmm. but the commentary from the person who authored the tweet was mm-hmm. like, this is appalling, fine, maybe, and this is disqualifying. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where I'm like, what, for A, how is it jarring or surprising that a OD billionaire like Bloomberg is anything but this, this like, cold-hearted, financializing everything, calculating everything type of dude. Mm-hmm. And so there, so there's that. It's like it's like the way, it's like I remember you and I had a discussion on this podcast about Jay-Z and we were like, how are you surprised that he sees stuff in business terms? Mm-hmm. Everything, almost to the exclusion of everything else. Bloomberg magnified that by a fucking billion. And my second thing is like, it's not, like, how are you saying that's disqualifying when we have Trump in the White House? Now, I'm not trying to be an apologist for anything that Bloomberg has done. And as far as Bloomberg's legacy on New York City, like, I think it's plain to see that, like, the immoral stop and frisk policies are a part of that. He basically hollowed out the city of basically any possibility of, like, middle class living. Like, but how is that fucking disqualifying? This is where I feel like, why does the left have to have to abide by these purity tests, but like we have fucking Donald Trump in the White House. So two things. Prior to Trump being in office, Trump had no political, he had no political experience. He hadn't held any type of elected office. Bloomberg has. Mm -hmm. So Bloomberg is alluding to real estate practices, uh, financial practices that happened, uh, policing practices that happened under his watch as an elected official. So you already having a prior record as an elected official that has had immense, an immensely negative impact on the working, on the middle and working class of a city that you presided over should be disqualifying because we have something to back that up. All you're talk, all everybody's talking about with Trump, up until the point that he was elected, was shit that he said, shit that he said, or you know, was reprehensible. Okay, that really doesn't doesn't affect people in the same way that a person who has elected office does. So that's that's one part of it. But the second part is when Trump ran for office, Trump had, for better or for worse, grassroots support. Trump had people supporting his campaign and I'm talking about working people in fucking Kentucky and in fucking you know Missouri and shit like that. Bloomberg is literally coming out of his pocket. He has z- like no grassroots support and he's running on this idea that oh, I don't have any uh I don't have any donors, so I'm not beholden to anybody. Well, that's that's part of the fucking problem is like you are just sort of in here doing this shit just on your own whim as opposed to somebody who at the very least 
you have a constituency to that you're beholden to. So for Trump, for all you can say about Trump, let's build this wall, let's build this wall. It's a million motherfuckers who are saying they want a wall built. Right. So that's different than Bloomberg sort of coming out of his office and saying, you know what? I'm going to just literally pay for this shit. Right. But what you're <laughs> articulating now is a completely legitimate objection to the candidacy of Bloomberg that I see as wholly unrelated to the phenomenon of what people people were basically trying to cancel him online. Your objection that he's astroturfing and is paying out of pocket for the election because he's a fucking mega billionaire is a totally legitimate worry and criticism of the whole Bloomberg running for president phenomenon. That... Right, me. but it's also but his his mayoral his mayoral term or his mayoral ten, uh, tenure rather is disqualifying insofar as his policies what his policies entailed is part of his actual worldview. Like stop and frisk is a part of his worldview. So you think if you give him federal power, what the fuck you think is gonna happen under Bloomberg? If you give him federal power, what the fuck you think is gonna happen when it comes to the next financial crash? You think he's gonna bail out? working in middle-class families fuck no like you have to look at his past as a mayor which you have we have three terms to look at and we have that on top of the fact that he's a mega billionaire now trying to buy the presidential election and so it's like I, i guess for me when it's like you saying how is it disqualifying for him I'm not looking at rhetoric when it comes to Trump. Like, that's all Trump was prior to him getting into office. Trump was a bunch of fucking rhetoric, whatever, yeah, fine. But Bloomberg was an actual elected official who did who had real structural power and fucked people over. Okay, but okay, so then your critique of Bloomberg can exist completely. But that rests in that in that redlining comment. That's rooted in the fact that he's framing redlining in that particular type of way. So the fact that he's that he's framing it like that, and we have your mayoral record to look at and to see how that shit is impacted New York yeah, City. But what I'm saying is you can make that critique of Bloomberg having never fucking seen those comments that were trending on Twitter. Okay. And so to like to just this whole like Bloomberg is racist trending thing. And I don't know. It seems like the Democrats have to play by one set of rules because everyone, every, everyone that's active on Twitter on the left applies a insane set of standards. So I think so. That's not as nuanced as what you were saying. But so that's the thing you're talking, your idea of the left is, is off. You're talking about the center left people who are like hashed, like who aren't looking at this with nuance. The the person who started this hashtag, his if you look through his thread, he sort of breaks down all of this in his Twitter thread. The the actual people on the left, like you know, the reason that people talk shit about Bernie Bros on online so much <clears throat> isn't because people are like belligerent racist talking shit no it's just we hitting motherfuckers with facts like in people you hitting people with nuance you hitting people with policy and they can't attest for that shit they can't account for that shit and so the 
the really the actual left is where this is being hashed out and being fleshed out in order for people to consume the just super like woke the the same people the people you're talking about are the people who were like super celebrating the fact that Pelosi ripped up Trump's state of the union address like what the fuck does that mean oh yeah that's that's a that's not the left <laughs> like that's yeah that's like the neo lib libs and shit like that those are the like you know the people who were going who like Hillary and shit like that for the most part I wouldn't say that those people are on the left at all okay yeah yeah so we so I share your criticism of those of that group but to say like to say like the the left the people on the left are like that is like lumping somebody like me into that group no I, I think no I think if anything I'm saying the opposite that I don't see your right but what I'm telling you is that that's not the left what you're saying what you are considering the left isn't the left that's center left at best that's you know Hillary Clinton supporters uh you know for the most part people who like Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg and shit like that mm. like those aren't lefties like lefties are Bernie bros you know people who like Bernie maybe Tulsi shit like that yeah yeah so that's a different that's a totally different set of people yeah all right yeah satisfactory yeah but I'm trying to disengage I'm trying to disengage until this shit starts really popping off Bernie 2020. Is it fucked up that I'm, I am, as I'm disengaging, I notice in myself that I'm like, I'm ready for the spectacle. I'm ready for the reality TV. I'm sort of giving in to the. I think that's the point though. Like, yeah, I think people, people who are like legitimately like, sort of like populist, class-based you know, driven, like, if that sort of, like, frames your politics, they don't want shit to do with you, and that's from the left and the right, like, the the real left and the real right, like, that's, like, on Rising, for instance, with, like, Crystal and Sager, like, they both represent, like, that actual, like, nuanced working-class critique from both ends of the spectrum Mm -hmm. as opposed to this, like, you know, performative bullshit that happens yeah in the center left and center right yeah. shit or whatever so um so yeah i i think that's what they're trying to do though is like get people sort of disengaged and shit like that yeah. and so yeah yeah guess it's working <laughs> it's fucking working it's fucking working and okay last thing oh this fucking opening segment is yeah it's a segment yeah it's a segment um Coronavirus, level of one to ten, ten being paranoid as fuck, one being completely blase. Uh, mm, I'm about a, I'm about a three. Oh, okay, that's good. That's reassuring. I'd say I'm at like a, I'm at like a five. I was yeah. at like a three or a four, but I got a, a news blast this morning about how 
in Malaysia, they just let everyone off the cruise. Just like <laughs> they just OD were just like, yeah, fuck it. And then like thousands of people just went their separate ways. And the people from the CDC were like, yeah, low key. This is kind of <laughs> catastrophic. Nah, yeah, yeah. So at, the, at that moment, I was like, OK, let me let me bump up my DEFCON, like my coronavirus alert to like an amber. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I'm uh, how because it, I guess like. What was what was the last shit? Ebola, like that was sort of the last like Ebola. I guess had the potential to become a pandemic, but I I don't know. I think it was yeah, more. But is this has this reached pandemic status the yet? WHO declared something. They declared something. Because I mean, like the death rate. I mean, from what I've seen, like the death rate hasn't like spiked. Like no, you know, like as as more people have gotten it, the death rate has actually dropped. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like, eh, you know, like is this some shit that you know we we might have to just account for in terms of vaccines or some shit like that later down the road? Maybe, but I don't. I don't this shit yeah. isn't like the plague. No, I feel like I could, I I mean, and you know, knock on wood, I don't want to invite any bad karma, but I feel like I could, I could take the coronavirus, like, if it's just like a flu. I don't, I don't want to fuck with the coronavirus, (laughs) but like, yeah, (laughs) like. (laughs) No, I'm not, well, I'm not welcoming smoke from the coronavirus. Yeah, I'm not even putting it out in the atmosphere that I, like, what I could and couldn't do with it, man. Like, I'm not fucking with it, but plus it's like, you, you like have to be like out and about this is as much out as i get is like yeah you know i work from home that's true that's true yeah yeah i get to shield myself from from people i just feel i feel like the it's like the media just knows how uh oh how sensational how how antsy and anxious it makes people so they just yeah of course of course plus we're in like we're in an ongoing trade war with China, so what a, a convenient way to demonize them mm. even further. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! We didn't even say what the main seg- main topic was. Oh yeah, we talking sports. We're talking celebrities and NBA fandom philosophy of fandom. Yeah. Something, something like that. Something like that. All right, let's take a break. This is the part of the show where I tell you to follow us at NTYMIPod, rate us, review us, check out our website, NT... 
why am I fireside.fm slash ntymypod something like that uh yeah I think so (laughs) (laughs) ntymypod.fireside.fm thank you rate us review us I was listening to some of the other niche podcasts that I like to listen to Mm -hmm. just trying to check check in on their numbers Mm -hmm. and I really really fuck with some of these podcasts which I won't mention here Mm -hmm. but their their numbers aren't their like rate and review numbers aren't that crazy like obviously the biggest podcasts in the world have like thousands hundreds of Mm -hmm. thousands of ratings but like some of these podcasts that I really really look up to and love what they do and shit like that and I consider them to be like successful viable podcasts their numbers aren't that crazy so like let's manip the algo yeah rate it review it check out the website we we want our numbers to be crazy we want our I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's our shit that's our our aspirations are to have modest numbers I'm just saying these are not numbers that are out of reach yeah so hit us up at ntymypod we want to put numbers out of reach yes okay we're talking about all types of shit. We're talking about all types of shit. So the way the idea for this episode came together was that I was sort of listing off NBA players that I think are grossly overrated. And this is, and to be fair, this is post, we're recording this post All-Star game. Yes, post All-Star game. So a lot of these players were um, featured in Sunday night's All-Star game. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I shot Kevin a text saying, I think such and such is grossly overrated, expecting I'd get some pushback. I didn't get pushback. In fact, I got wholehearted agreement. That spawned into a whole other conversation about other superstars that are overrated, which spawned in, which transitioned into a conversation just about the fandom, the phenomenon of fandom in the NBA at large. And these superstars in this NBA landscape, which I think is going to broaden to a larger discussion just of celebrities and sports right. and culture. Right. So what we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so the episode can basically trace the genesis of this episode. So I, I started off. We can hash out this discussion at length. Paul George, mm-hmm. it's is criminally overrated. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I've never seen Paul George make a shot. I've never seen him make a shot. Really? I, I've turned. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let me get my um. Yeah, my bad. Get your Stephen hyperbole. A. bombast. <laughs> yeah, let me get let me get my hyperbole on. But when I, whenever I tune on a game. Mm. See what's on M- TNT or whatever. Paul George has the ball. Goes for some mid-range jumper. Just clunk. Never see him make a shot. What is the argument for Paul George being as lauded as he is? Um. So, now, I see Paul George make a lot of shots. I still don't. I'm not a Paul George believer. Um. He really got like he really came on the scene with Indiana. Um, those years that Indiana was competitive against Miami, mm-hmm. and he played well. He, he 
he did his shit. Um, but then he went to OKC. Now, obviously, fucked his leg up in USA Basketball, right. and and everything came back from that. Um, but then he, when he was in OKC, two years. But at what a, point? Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but just so we establish this, at what point do you see him going from like he's a solid? middle of the pack to upper middle of the pack NBA player to like, oh, now he's cemented as one of the top players in the league. Because I, when, when he was on the Pacers, that was the team with like George Hill, uh, Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson, mm-hmm. all those cats. They were pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, he, I don't remember he, at that time, Paul George. No, he was, he was their best player. He was their best player. But at that time, when he was, he celebrated as like one of the, no, he was on the rise. That okay. was that was his sort of like okay he's coming sort of you know pause like his <laughs> his uh <laughs> his his rise was at that point and then um you know really like I think we like look at how cats can score he he you know he's a scorer like so the fact that like he's a scorer um I think since the leg injury his defense is sort of like you know, obviously, you know, fell back a bit. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just, like, I think it's the name. Like, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, the fact that he, you know, started to build his buzz, and so he has a he has a name that's established, but I don't know how much that has, like, translated. Right, that's what, it's sort of like a, like, like, the, um. Because it's like, when my point about him going to OKC was like, all right, you couldn't get past Miami when you were in Indiana for obvious reasons. But now you're in the West. Now you're with Russ. You know, y'all can do some shit. And it just seemed like he didn't do anything in the playoffs. And it's just like, damn. Like, it's the second year, the year before he left, like, he was in MVP discussions. Like, he was really killing shit in the regular season. You come, you go against Portland, and it's just like, man, eh, eh, and then you let a dude hit a half, damn near half court three for you know the series and get a fifty piece on you. Like that shit is like, come on, dude. Like, so the Paul George shit is is he's a he's a bit overrated to say the least. Yeah, I just it's like what it has me thinking about is sort of like this idea of vagueness. Where and also just like the snow, like once the media snowball starts snowballing, oh, yeah. it's like, yeah. now we just have to go with this idea that Paul George is one of the elite players in the game. And see, and, and this is my thing too. And so, not to confuse this, when I say someone's overrated, not necessarily saying that this person is trash or right. you know or anything like that. Obviously, Paul George is a beast, like just pure talent. He is like an elite NBA player. I don't know what it is when it hits when the uh, calendar hits, you know, April, May, and June and shit. That he just, you know, his game dissipates like it just evaporates into mediocrity. That, I think that's. <laughs> I think he suffers in my eyes the, the same way of like the the Carmelo Anthony thing, where like he's. He's not a killer when it comes down to it. Like he he like he doesn't play 
I feel like he doesn't play meaningful basketball when it matters most. Okay, so. Like, he's not the cat. I, I'll dish it to Paul George with the game on the line. Like, yeah, hell no. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of like this non, it's sort of like a non-falsifiable or but you I don't can't know quantify I was, that. I don't know if I would say, I don't know if I would lump Melo in there in the same way, though. Um, Because I think Melo... Like, Melo just had, he, he did, he made the wrong decision, <laughs> I think, when he came to New York. Yeah. He should have gone to Chicago. And I think the narrative about Carmelo would be totally different. Okay, well, so here, here's a more philosophical question that the Paul George shit brings up, which is like, as players are ascendant and eventually become firmly established within the the firmament of like elite NBA players where you're mentioning them alongside names like LeBron James and you know all the names mm-hmm. all the fucking names that guys mention like at what point does that happen and how does that happen so it's like it's sort of like the I remember in like I think it was no it was a class I a, a philosophy class I took on paradoxes where like this idea of vagueness where you can say where something you can say where something is but you can't really say where it starts or where it begins so like a mountain imagine you're walking like you're hiking up a mountain now like there's going to be no def- definite point where you're like this is the mountain but this isn't the mountain or like a cloud like you can see a cloud as this definite shape in the sky but like is the water molecule that's an inch away like when you get closer and closer it's all like, where does the cloud start and where does it end? And so, like, with someone like Paul George on his way up, it's like, at what point is he... Now it's like, oh, he there he is, you know? Um, and, like, what are the credentials to, to get you there? I guess, like, the basic shit with the NBA is... Um, is someone like a perennial all-star. Um you know you've made it once you once you're referred to by one name or a nickname <laughs> right but it's all i mean essentially what i'm getting at though it's all it's all based around a narrative like it's not necessary it's like each player has his, has you know his own sort of storyline or whatever mm. and so i think with like when you're trying to like chart that like certain players obviously play their way into the conversation, but then sticking around or whatever is then largely based on the narrative that's, you know, been around them. So it's like with Paul George, he was on the rise in Indiana and, you know, racked up a bunch of all-star appearances, you know, his dunk contest shit, like the narrative was built around him. So then the broken leg probably the broken leg propelled him really yeah yeah because the fact that he came back and is still like top level talent post you know your fucking leg being pointing one way and your body pointing the the other (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm saying so like the fact that he came back from that shit also like you know adds to the sort of story around Paul George and like why cats give him this like this status yeah. as opposed to like tangible 
shit. Like, yeah, you haven't really done anything in terms of like team success, and that's not all. And and trust me, that's definitely not the whole thing because it's a bunch of cats with championships who are fucking garbage. So, um, but yeah, he had like for him to be lauded the way he is, he hasn't really done anything tangible. Like he he hasn't he doesn't have anything tangible to show for it rather. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. What about his teammate? Kawhi. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a big Kawhi believer. And this is also again, I you know, let me qualify it for everyone. Kawhi is obviously one of the best players in the NBA. But this idea that Kawhi is this, is at, at the very least, that Kawhi is like a top two cat in the league, I just don't buy it. Like, Kawhi, I guess I still have to see like what he does this year. Like, if the Clippers, if, if he's able to pull off this shit this year and the Clippers win, then I'll give it to him. But last year didn't show me shit in the same way that like Kevin Durant hasn't really shown anything to like further his argument to being considered the best player. Like he obviously has the talent, but you sat in fucking Golden State for the last three, four years and, you know, coasted. Yeah. So it's kind of like in the same thing with Kawhi, it's like, dude, like. Yeah, you got the championship in the MVP in San Antonio, but it's like it's context to that. I mean, like, I, dude had like two or three games in that series where he had like nine points. Like, right. what the fuck? And so that that's part of it. But then this last one, the the last championship was really like this shit last year with Toronto was really like. His coronation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For what though? Like Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson were sitting out with bum knees. Right. You played Steph Curry, Draymond, and a bunch of who the fuck yeah. knows. Like, and you won this championship, and now it's like, oh, Kawhi's, you know, he's the man, he's the best, and um So all so all right. Two things that this has me thinking about. One is just, um, I feel like just the way reporters and the media operate, they sort of need to wrap their narratives around like a few central figures in order to make Mm -hmm. their headlines saleable, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so then there's like an incentive to tailor everything as you know like being Kawhi centric LeBron centric um, right the other thing that I, I'm thinking about is like is there that much of a okay it's sort of media adjacent my, my comment here it's like going off what the how the sports media treats like Kawhi LeBron I mean let's keep it actually let's keep LeBron out of it like all, all those ca- like Harden, Westbrook, Paul George, all of them. You would think that there was this 
enormous gulf mm-hmm. in terms of just a middle of the road NBA player and then someone like Kawhi. Like like in almost like an unspannable goal. <laughs> right? Like like they're playing a different like they're the superstars and then there's all these kind of like lackeys that are just like, you know Right. The plumbers and shit. Right, right, right. But what but I think the more realistic view is like there's not really that much that separates like in in a in a grand scale, there's not that much that separates a Paul George from like, I don't know, a fucking Lance, I'm trying to think of who else was on that Pacers team. Well, I'll, I'll say like, like it's like there's a lot of like it's it's a lot it's a lot more. Talent. There's a lot of luck. There's a lot of being in the right place at the wrong mm-hmm. time. There's a lot of being the guy that the that the shit happens to. Yeah, no, of course that's all. That's that's exactly like what it's based on. Is sort of like you have to have the right setup. That's why I made the comment about Carmelo. Like you give him those years. And his prime that he spent in New York, and you put those in Chicago with, uh, you know, Tom Thibodeau, Joe Kim Noah, Derrick Rose squad. I think you got a different narrative for Carmelo at that point. Um, and so, yes, yeah, it's, it's always like the the right place, right time type shit like that. What I will say is like the NBA has the the gulf in talent. Like just cat's ability, like people, you know, just one through fifteen on on a roster, like cat's ability. I think that, um, you know, the distance between the best player on on a given team and the you know the worst. I think that gap has like shortened a bit, but it's like how do you, how are you able to impose, you know your will in in implement or in deploy that talent is what separates cats and it's like when it comes to like the Paul George and the Hardens and and all of that shit it's like yeah these cats are like the superstars but it's not solely because we're looking at this strictly on you know matters of the court like the fact that these people are now like because like you look back in you look back in like eras before there were like a handful of people who were like the who really got the media like that nobody got the fucking media like Jordan you know what I'm saying like no so it's like now that you the media is able to latch onto these different storylines and shit like that with with players that's where we get the, you know, sort of inflated view that these cats are, like, so much better than the next cat. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, it, how how much better is James Harden than Westbrook, really? You know? Like, how much better is Kawhi than Paul George? Like, you know, in terms of talent, the gap isn't really there. It, you just look at, like... How all this shit comes together. Kawhi has just been in better positions than Paul George. Yep. So he's, you know, been able to reap the benefits of, you know, essentially growing up in a San Antonio Spurs system that, you know, afforded him playoff experience and all this other shit. Got a championship out of it. Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah, it's all of that sort of lumps into it. But I, it's still like it doesn't account for what you know these cats really do like when you look at the goddamn game 
Yeah. And that's like my thing. It's just like, eh, like I get the I get the narrative, but I've just I I don't know. Like I've seen cats better than you know, Kawhi before. Yeah. Like I've seen cats who play better than Yeah. Westbrook. So I don't know. All right, let's let's transition to your idea of the how did you put it the celebrity oh the the celebritization mm, yeah yeah, yeah. celebritization seven syllable word yeah, yeah. wow yeah. um yeah so my observation was that like i feel that this is broad strokes but people aren't fans of teams anymore in the nba it's people just like, especially kids. They just they they just like players. And this landscape has totally shifted, and I'm I'm nostal- as as I'm a purist when it comes to this shit. Yeah, antiquated <clears throat> as purist. Um, I just I just it's it's weird to me that because I I work with kids and like these are all kids born and raised in New York, and like no one's a Knicks fan. Yeah. Maybe a few of them are Nets <laughs> fans now, but old, but they, they don't know that the Nets used to, obviously they're like te- they yeah, don't know yeah. that the Nets were the New Jersey Nets. They don't know who the fuck Jason Kidd is, and they're probably only they're only Nets fans now because they they got Durant. Yeah, but like that's just but they're like yeah I love so and so on this team and so and so on this team and I'm like I don't I don't know was it always <laughs> like that? Um, or is that I, a new thing? No, no, I wouldn't say it's a new thing. Um. I think it kind of goes back to the Jordan phenomenon. Like, Jordan transcended fucking team sports like that. Like, you had cats from Chicago out here to New York, back to L.A., rocking Jordan jerseys and shit. So it's kind of like, I think it really started with with him. Um, And for the most part, like, specifically him you know what i'm saying where it's like people were like oh i'm you know i'm a fan of the seattle supersonics but i'm really a jordan fan you know um and because like for me like growing up i was i was like that like i'm an Allen iverson stand yeah. like through and through so it's kind of like i wasn't necessarily a fan of the 76ers but I rooted for the Sixers insofar as I was rooting for Iverson. Right. Um, but I think with how it is today, though, like, and it's, you know, obviously, like I said, it obviously started with Jordan. But today it's league-wide because before you, the player had to sort of be, um, in a way, had to be um, anointed by the media right like jordan jordan became that phenomenon because the media you know bolstered his profile iverson became this this phenomenon because the media bolstered his profile same thing with kobe same thing with lebron like but now we're in an age where it's like the fact that you have social media and you have the ability to do that shit 
you get to cast a wider net now. And so, like, literally, if you're just a decent NBA player, you can have, like, a legit celebrity. You can have legit celebrity status, whereas in the 90s, in the in the aughts, like, if you were the, the fucking 10th through 15th guy on the bench, maybe the people who were fans of that team knew who you were, but, no, like, yeah. who, like, nobody... In in 2003, if Alex Caruso played in the NBA, no one would know who the fuck yeah, Alex, yeah. Alex Caruso is. Right. So the fact that Alex Caruso is a celebrity now shows you <laughs> that like the media is just like, if you're in the league and you have some type of skill, you you know you're gonna garner some type of yeah. attention. Yeah, I think it's it's um, just that we look at the NBA specifically as a league that's more like a reality show than it is a a, a league. Oh yeah, of, the soap of, opera of competing teams where yeah. I in I don't really follow the NFL like that, but I'm an Me OD baseball junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as there is like extracurricular drama in baseball, it's not that with like lately the Astros thing and yeah. I mean the Mets getting wrapped up in that where they hired Carlos Beltran and then had to fire him. Like all, all this kind of there, – there is this sort of really superficial level of drama that's just always kind of like on a, a simmering mm-hmm. in, in, every, in, in every sports league mm-hmm. I feel like. But with the NBA, it's like – it's just a different thing where we're looking at like who's going to go where and like who's going to snub who and all I mean I think you can wrap up like like the the fashion the the social media all the different like you know Steph Curry asking who was he talking to who was he like kind of soliciting the, oh Giannis yeah, yeah he was yeah, like yeah. you know all this shit yeah, it's like a soap yeah. opera it's it's yeah. really like no, it it definitely is. It's, it's reality TV. It's more at its about best. the drama than it is about, you know. Yeah, the the actual what's supposed to be the ultimate goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the 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 whole is greater than the sum of its the sum of its parts. I feel like with yeah. this shit. Yeah, I, like when it comes to like other sports, I guess it's a bit more difficult. So, baseball, if you enjoy baseball then obviously like you know who you know the marquee players are and shit right but that's not a sport that cats are just like willing to sit down and devote you know five hours to like that um the nfl is widely popular because it's just violent but um but cats got helmets on and shit. So it's like you aren't as invested in the player like that as opposed to what the fuck does the helmet say? Right. <clears throat> but the NBA is like shit. Cats got their name on the back, no helmet obstructing their face or anything like that. Mm, and like so their visibility, yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're way more their characters than yeah. they uh, Yeah. So you're able to invest in them easier like even the novice fan like as opposed to because I mean you can't tell a real baseball fan that like if we're just gonna compare like this player to you know his counterpart in a, in another sport like 
Mike Trout is who? Like the LeBron of fucking baseball yeah, like right crazy, now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, but not everybody knows who the fuck Mike Trout is because the novice fan isn't devoting that five hours. Yeah. Whereas the novice fan can jump and watch a, you know, hour and a half, two hours of basketball, yeah. not know what the fuck is going on, but be like, oh, well, that's supposed to be the guy. And you know what I'm saying? It's right. just like, yeah, yeah. so it's just easier to get involved into the, like the NBA soap opera. Yeah, for sure. Than it is because base I mean if you follow baseball like the fucking steroid era was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like a soap opera. They had fucking uh federal hearings and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like congressional hearings. So it's like yeah, like this the it's just you know how like what what sport or does the sport allow you know, for the novice fan to come in and feel like they're involved or whatever, yeah. baseball just doesn't really offer yeah. that. Yeah, because there's well, part of the, part of the reason has to be that like baseball players, there's no salary cap. They're getting so much money, they don't oh, need yeah. to do anything. Of the course, fuck else they are sitting yeah, so of cool. Of course, let me just be. They're quiet. getting like three hundred million dollar contracts and shit. Like it's, that's fucking stupid. I don't know why. Anyone is gonna risk brain damage to go try to play for the NFL when you could, if, if you have oh, that, no, if no. you have the athletic ability to be a fucking wide receiver in the NFL to get drafted by a D one school, fucking play baseball, please. Oh, no, yeah, to me. no, yeah. I I already, if I have a son, like basketball and baseball, and we'll we'll see which one you're better at. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's really the move. Yeah. If it's gonna be sports, it's definitely not football. I don't even watch football anymore. No. So not into it, yeah. but um, okay. Let's talk about fandom, mm-hmm. just in a in a vacuum. I always have this thought to myself, and it's I'm not gonna pretend that it's like some profound or unique thought, but as a diehard fan mm-hmm. of two teams, and really one team, like as much as I love the Knicks, like the Mets are like in my fucking blood. Like, I literally have a fucking Mets tattoo on my skin. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's like, why? And there's so many people in that love all different sports that are, like, the same way about this shit. They're just devotees to a a singular team. Mm -hmm. Why is it, what is it that cultivates that? Like, what explains that phenomenon? It's sort of like the ship of Theseus. I don't know if I'm going to explain it exactly right, but it's like, imagine this old-ass wooden ship, right? That's made out of a bunch of individual pieces of wood. And over time, each of the pieces of wood that constitute this ship are taken out. Mm-hmm. So you have the ship of Theseus minus one original ship of Theseus piece of right. wood. And now there's a new one. Right. And over is time, it, same it gets eventually yeah. replaced. Now, yeah. it, now, exactly, that's the question. Is it the sh- same ship? Is this like a... You hear this question in an in intro to philosophy course. Right? Yeah. What is it about the fucking Mets that like I grew up watching the the Mets as managed by Bobby Valentine. The Wilpons didn't own it at that time. The fucking Mike Piazza was on the team. No before <laughs> Jose Reyes, before David Wright, John Larue was play, played first base. Like no, there's no vestige of that left over. Mm-hmm. But this was what I was grow, This was what I grew up on, and my dad liked the Mets, and his dad liked the Mets. So like. What? what well, on, that answered you. Just answers your question. But I think. but but even, but take that away. Like, on what basis should I? Sh- what 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 explains this fandom? 
I think how you're socialized, like the fact that you come from a line of Mets fans explains, you know, why you're a Mets fan. Like for the most part, like, I mean, you make individual decisions and shit at some point in, in, you know, but the fact that you're socialized was your, like, so I'll, I'll say for me, like when it comes to baseball, at least. I'm a Giants fan. The reason that I'm a Giants fan is because my grandfather was a Giants fan. So like he would have he would have the game on TV, the the Dodgers game on TV, and he'll have his radio behind him blasting the the Giants game or whatever. Whenever the Giants were on TV in LA, like we were, you know, unable to catch it, boom, that's that's what was on the TV and shit. My family is also, we're staunch Laker haters. We hate the fucking Lakers. I'm like, I'm from LA, grew up in South Central. All, everybody I know, damn near Laker fans through and through. The reason that I'm not a Lakers fan is because I was socialized, you know, in a household that despised the Lakers. My grandparents hated the Lakers. My parents don't like the Lakers. My brothers, my sister, like literally everyone hates the Lakers. My aunts, like everyone. And so it was just kind of like, okay, we don't fuck with the Lakers. (laughs) So like, so your fandom comes, a, a lot of times comes from how you're socialized. Like if you're in a space where it's like, if you grew up in a different house, and they were Yankees fans. You you'd have a fucking Yankees tattoo. Yeah, but I, I guess it's sort of like a uh, a question of, I guess it's an exercise in confirmation bias because with each iteration of the team, the fans' implicit assumption is that there's something about this team. Like I like these players. I like this configuration of players. Like because fandom means nothing if it's arbitrary you have to have some like i fucking hate the phillies and i have reasons why i hate the phillies like i could i could enumerate a list of reasons why i think the organization is slimy why i don't like the players but then if i step back and i'm like you know the, the you don't want your fan you don't want your allegiance to something to to amount to an art something arbitrary right but i think that you you like and so every year people convince themselves that it's something about this team and this configuration of players that I like. Like, like yeah, as but soon as just, someone gets but, traded to, 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 to whoever's team, to my team, uh-huh. oh, now I fuck with them. But if they're on the other team, I could come up with a list well, of reasons yeah, why. Yeah, I mean, people are just tribal in general. Like, however you, however you, you know, create those bonds or find yourself a part of those different allegiances or whatever like people are tribal like so yeah if you're if some dude from the Phillies who you just utterly despise today gets traded to the Mets tomorrow and you're like I always knew he was a fucking beast (laughs) and shit like that like I mean that's just that's just uh, that just confirms your you know your the fact that the Mets are your tribe or, or whatever right but it's like it's arbitrary. You're just trying to figure out ways to justify it for yourself. Yeah. You're trying to, you know, infuse some type of meaning into it. So it is like you, you, you know, you've bought into the brand already. Like you've yeah, already, yeah. you're already a Mets fan. So now it's just all the other shit is just going to justify 
you know, because you because one thing that you aren't going to do, obviously, because you have a tattoo is you aren't going to stop being a Mets fan. Like well, my- that's what's that's what's sort of driving this question of mine. It's like as a Knicks fan, as a Mets fan, and I, you hear this on on sports radio in New York all the fucking time. It's like at, at, the ownership continues and continues to abuse its fans mm-hmm. through fucking incompetent ass decisions and just tactlessness and tone deafness and and the fucking Wilpons lost their money in the Brody Manoff scheme. Like what? Like, so you hear this on sports radio where cats are like, how much longer am I going to continue to give this brand my allegiance? Like they're, and, and at the end of the day, it's like, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm powerless to this, right. to this thing. Right. Yeah. Like, so my dad is from DC, huge Redskins fan, like. And he's, you know, the quintessential fan. Like, he's he sticks with the Redskins through and through. Like, you know, and they are notoriously bad. He's got, like, the older he's gotten, though, he, he kind of just says, fuck it. And, you know, when, when he knows that they're just bad, he's no longer, like, putting his energy into trying to justify... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how things can turn around and shit. He he's beyond that point, but he still rocks with the Redskins or whatever. And so I think it's just like the fact that people have bought into whatever that, whatever it was about that, you bought into it initially, and so now you're just spending the rest of your days justifying your allegiance to that. I mean, it's the same thing with people who buy who drink Coke as opposed to Pepsi. It's no real like real reason. As mm-hmm. to why you, you know, drink that other than like, Don't hey, diminish my fandom. Maybe. No, but I mean, it, it, it is though, because it's just like, you're still, that isn't something like inherent or essential to your being, you being yeah. a fan of the Mets. Now you've made that a part of your, you know, but that's like, a, you, that's part of like, you being socialized like that, but then also you continuing to make that choice to say, this is what, you know, I fuck with the Mets. Yeah. Same thing with somebody who's like, oh, we grew up and all we drank was Coke. Right. So, you know, I'm going to, I just drink Coke. Like, I don't fuck with Pepsi. It's so absurd. There, I've seen studies that show that people's day-to-day well-being and peace of mind fluctuates according to the performance of the, the team they follow. Yeah. And it's like by, by a considerable margin, if I remember reading the abstract and headline of this one article I came across about, mm-hmm. about fandom where it's like if you're – however they quantified like being a diehard fan or whatever, but like you're like some good healthy portion like less happy with yourself if like your oh, team yeah. loses. Yeah. And I'm like why, why do I – yeah, no, the, the fandom, like, no, because I. But can, it's so good. On the, like, I need, like, I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for baseball to come back because, like, I need that storyline. Like, I need that. It's so good. I, I can't, I can't put myself through it. Like, I, I avoid. I'm, I'm one of the cats. Like, I fuck with players. I fuck with different players that I like. Um, but I try to avoid the putting my hopes 
into a team, into an organization that I have absolutely no say or control over yeah. how it's over how it's ran and then like I'm gonna turn around and be upset when y'all lose or some shit. Some real like I don't know how to how to articulate it, but it's some real like kinda it's banal middle class American existence type shit where you're just like Well, I mean it's it's I guess like sports your, your well being is wrapped up in the fucking you know Yeah. Well I wouldn't even say like middle class. I would just say it's just it's a part of like American culture, like American entertainment culture is rooted in escapism and sort of like mm. seeing yourself outside of whatever the fuck, like if, you know, if the, if the cat who, who, who the fuck won the Super Bowl with the Chiefs, right? Yeah. It could be some dude sitting in a shitty ass apartment in, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical debt. And the Chiefs won the fucking Super Bowl, and he was in his apartment. He turned lit. the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, for that split moment, you know what I'm saying? It's like shit is shit's good. So that's you know, in the same way that people like mute, you know, go and listen to certain artists. Like, I'm sure if Drake drops something for a Drake stand, even though that person's doing shitty. That Drake shit may have him lit. Yeah. Won't have me lit, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that was, that's it. You can guess. wind it down there. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Peace. Later. Yeah. Now that you mention it.